are listening to Boku no Stop, an anime podcast that will call your crush for you and make relationships into sitcom bullshit. I'm your host, Sybil Arnett, and with me is... Matt Marcus. And Chris. Garrett is out this week. We will say traveling to parts unknown. But today we're talking... You're now the low man on the totem pole, Garrett. Owned. (laughs) F's in chat. He doesn't have to work. He still outranked you. (laughs) That's not the the order that this list order says. Got him. (laughs) Yeah, I'm on top of you this time. Yes. Don't take that out of context, please, no one. (laughs) Look, the listener can't see, but you can see the intense eyebrow waggling I gave you. Uh uh It's like Dr. Wiley, but with no hair. And today we're talking about Code Geass, episodes seven and eight. I saw you. I saw you debating. <laughs> <laughs> it just all happens to be hidden behind my headphones. I'm just saying, even that old bastard has tufts. That's fine. Content warnings for today's batch include ethnic cleansing again, suicide and imagery, and a lot of gun violence. And I'd say child death on there too. <laughs> it's definitely a child gets got. All right, we'll add child death. Uh, yikes. Last time, we were introduced to the somehow alive green-haired witch Cece, who now lives on Pizza Hut in Pete Lelouch's bed. It is unclear if Nunnally is aware she's in the house, given that the young princess's existence is basically a sketch comedy show in the middle of this mech drama. Suzuku is acquitted of all charges, given that Zero made a public speech about killing the prince, and thus he becomes wrapped up in the arrival of two princesses to the island. The eldest, Cornelia, is taking over as Viceroy in Clovis's place and is a hardline military general who brooks no shit. The younger, Euphemia, chooses to introduce herself to him as Yuffie and run around town in his care for a bit before he gets involved in keeping Jeremiah from being murdered by his own men. All of this screeched to a halt immediately after the whole Ashford Academy campus followed a cat around when it stole mm-hmm. Lelouch's zero mask before we were introduced to Emperor Charles Z. Britannia, Lelouch's walking daddy issue. Love to do racism cat episode, then ethnic cleansing episode. I mean, that's the pacing of this show. It's so good. <laughs> uh, and I, I gotta say, like, Lelouch's bed must be just the grossest pile of pizza grease at this point, right? Like, she's just constantly eating pizza in the bed. It's gross. Don't do that. Think about how gross her sanitarium outfit is, because you gotta sweat out all that cheese, but she's also <laughs> not wearing the actual pants under it. And and I would imagine she doesn't shower very frequently. No. Probably not. She she gives off those vibes. <laughs> but we kick off with episode seven, Attack Cornelia. So we begin eight years ago, 2009 ATB, which I cannot not think of as active time babble or battle or both. Uh so this appears to be the Imperial Palace as a tiny Lelouch is announced and allowed to enter his father's audience hall. And this cape is a lot for like a nine year old. I mean, like, you know, it's cape to scale. But that's uh, what makes it ridiculous. Like the yeah. length of the cape is to scale, but the top part is not. It like goes all the way around the full back of his head. Yeah, it is yeah, the I mean, same cape he has as zero, except he's a baby. If he wasn't considered uh-huh. to be dead, the cape would instantly out him to yeah. every other royal. Yeah, the second I saw this, I'm just like, it's the same thing. He's like wearing a Final Fantasy XII judge cape, basically. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. 
But yeah, the uh, the chamber is filled with what appears to be various royals, servants, and other people in the background, and they are all gossiping because, uh, you know, this happened right after uh, Lelouch's family was gunned down. And the people in the crowd are pointing out like, oh, there's no way terrorists could have gone so deep into the palace itself, so it must mean... And then somebody shushes them because they're like, oh, you fucking say that out loud. You're going to get got. But instead, the gossip turns to Nunnally. Uh, we see her in the medical bed and they discuss that she's blind from, uh, you know, mental block. She's, she's basically traumatized into blindness. She's not physically, you know, sightless at all. Shout out to how they do decide to just go with hysterical blindness, though. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, uh, uh. Negative shout outs for just showing her like completely naked in the bed. That's unfortunate. <laughs> uh, like, I don't know, like, <laughs> Sybil, you didn't see it this week on Lane, too, but we also got like completely naked teenager. Oh, I know exactly no where you are in Lane. I'm aware of what you're seeing. A lot of plays like, in the sun happening. Like, yeah. Jesus, <laughs> what is what is going on in this uh, network this week? That's OK. There's more naked kids later. Well, I just love they also show it again, but they show it in negative as if that would be less gross. <laughs> well, yeah, a reverse naked kid is, uh, I don't know, but there's solve for X here. <laughs> but uh, the actual physical damage she got is that she got shot in the spine, and so her uh, her legs don't work. Owned. And so, but I was planning to say owned before you said her legs don't work, but I was already <laughs> committed. I'm sorry. <laughs> 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 Look, we all know you're you're totally comfortable uh, owning a uh, you know an injured child. It's totally helpless, fine. disabled child. Yes, yeah. <laughs> but to be fair, so is the show. But what if you're British? <laughs> uh huh. <laughs> Tiny Tim get fucked. <laughs> British does give you a couple extra points because yes, we will all make fun of Tiny Tim. <laughs> But uh, with her blindness, uh, she can't even be married off as political capital, so she's completely useless to the king now. Finally, Lelouch arrives before the throne, announcing himself, Hail your majesty, my mother, the empress is dead. And everyone's like, yeah, well, who fucking cares? What do you want? And uh, Lelouch goes off. The guards move to intercept, but the emperor dismisses them. Uh, Lelouch continues, pissed that his father did nothing to protect his mother, saying, you're the most powerful man in this nation, if not the world, and you didn't even lift a finger, and now you won't visit Nunnalade. He's just like, I had a, look, I got shit to do. I can't babysit you, and that weakling is of no use to me. And, uh... Lelouch's reaction to this is a dramatic escalation as he says he renounces his claim to the throne and wants nothing to do with his father. So the emperor then stands up towering over the boy and we get the most Charles dialogue we've heard yet and you begin to see why Lelouch has issues about this dude. You are dead to me. You have been dead from the moment you were born. Who do you think gave you these fine clothes, the food you eat, the roof you reside under? Lelouch, you are dead to me, and as such, you have no rights. I am sending you and Nunley to Japan. As prince and princess, you will serve well as bargaining tools. And we crossfade from this statement to modern day, where a fully emo Lelouch is slumped over on his bed like a bad album mm -hmm. cover. The opening mm -hmm. rolls. <laughs> Real talk, with how brutal and pragmatic he is with the lives of his troops, do we think Lelouch would have turned on his dad if not for the Nunley comment? I mean, that definitely is the thing that would have set, especially him over the edge, because like he could probably say, OK, fine, throw me away. But why her? Right. 
you know, that that's extra cruel. Uh, but also, was his mother the empress? Or I thought she was a mistress of some sort. She's a mistress. Yeah. Okay, the empress mistress. <laughs> There's... I don't know if there is a full chart of how everyone is in line succession-wise, and I don't think they're going to give one to us, at least not in the main show. I mean, right right now we know there's 17 at least. Or 18 if you count Nunnally. The Japanese people in the show are anime white, but let's be really clear. Between the Emperor and Lelouch's mother, there's some, like, uncomfortable racial, racial shit going on there. Not great. Yeah, Wait, no. So is Lelouch half half Japanese? Am I? Or is that? Yeah. Oh, I because his mother was a, detail. His mother was Japanese. Uh, so that that would, huh, I mean, that would make sense in the way of like, of course, that he would conquer all of these places and then just take, uh, you know, yeah, man, they're doing each, the house area thing. thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll check that later. I actually don't think they said that when I was looking things up, but I've also seen shit from like five canons at this point. Yeah, I just assumed that like Lelouch was a hundred percent Britannian, but I guess that's that would probably make less sense if that were true. Um, I mean, like it would definitely build more towards the character of the emperor if he was, you know, basically taking political mistresses <laughs> from everywhere he conquers, and it just happens to be this is the Japanese one. Yeah, he came, he saw, he conquered, and conquered. I yeah, I think it's quite clear that Charles is definitely the. I'm going to get me some and hopefully it turns out worth it mm -hmm. type. It, it says like a lot, though, like, you know, it's very kid logic that like Lulu should be like this. This should matter to you. And it's like, no, clearly it shouldn't matter to me. You're so far down the list anyway. <laughs> this is definitely a spoiled Lelouch's awakening to the fact that he is not uh, going to be God Emperor of Dune. Yes. <laughs> So the show resumes on the sound of seagulls and Lloyd showing Cornelia around the manufacturing plant. Uh, we find out her frame is a seventh generation model, putting it one ahead of the Sutherlands. Later on, we will find out this is the Gloucester. And she uses this to segue into discussing the Lancelot, which of course she knows about. You say it's piloted by an Eleven? Uh, yes, an honorary Britannia. Have him promoted to warrant officer. That should satisfy him. I want to finish this campaign with as little reliance on the numbers as possible. I think this is our first use of numbers mm -hmm. as a slur. I know we've had a few. I I feel like this is the first time because then it gets used again by Lloyd. And it's like, wait, when did that come out of? I mean, it, it definitely no, makes it before. Uh, because Have before they? she said she could win with. Uh, I think it was uh, before she said. And Jeremiah, I think, said also in the fight that they can win without any numbers. It's only coming okay. from the pure uh, blood faction, though. Got it. Got, yeah, it it's, got it. I don't know how clear it's been when they capitalize that or not, because otherwise you could just say, oh, it's just fewer people. <laughs> you know, the way the sentence is constructed. But like numbers is even worse. Um, yeah, Cornelius putting a hard R on it in the way nobody else has. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's 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 more even more explicit dehumanization because that that only doesn't. I mean, that just affects not just Japanese people, but any other uh, areas peoples assume they all have numbers there's at least 10 other ones right mm -hmm. when you're a britannian and you suddenly stop being rich they they're uh they're taking away your number <laughs> you have to get a regular servant uh elsewhere we see yuffie writing a letter to her sister basically going you know if we're using them as cannon fodder they might as well get say the right to vote <laughs> i think Lib. this is what 
I think this is what she means, because her quote is, they should have the ability to rule themselves, and I cannot imagine she is so leftist as to want to overthrow the monarchy she benefits from. Well, no, I think she, she wants, like, wants like, a like a province. Yeah, like a self-autonomy, but within the control of, you know, the... She wants them to be Puerto Rico, basically. Mm-hmm. Okay. It's yeah. It doesn't come up for the rest of these two episodes, so I didn't really get any context. Mm-hmm. It doesn't, it's because it's never going to happen, so it doesn't matter. Also true. But we're supposed yeah. to... They're, they're trying to make us like her, and it's not going great. <laughs> there isn't much to her other than she's, like, kind of a nice one, which isn't enough. Speaking of our honorary Britannian, Suzuku is currently in the hangar beside the Lancelot, and he's studying with uh, Cecily, helping him out. And uh, he just hasn't done a lot of studying because he's never attended normal school before, which is interesting. Um, You would imagine that he would have been educated, at least in a normal school setting. I mean, maybe he was homeschooled. I don't know. Yeah, he was like privately educated, probably. Mm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. The brief glimpse we get of the uh, school book uh, that he's working through is has a has a lot of uh, incorrect English in it. Uh, <laughs> and the, there's one with a uh, mention of uh, King Henry the 12th. Is it the King Henry the 12th? It 12th? is the 12th. Yes. Oh, OK. Um, and it mentions that 12 horsemen were instrumental in conquest of the new world, which gave the monarchy more wealth and resources to draw upon. So this is the alternate history bit that created the Britannian uh, empire as it was also i did look this up between episodes the britannians don't control europe they've been kicked the fuck out oh yeah wait who's we the other because the european union is still there you were saying that they had that continent too no we sp- explicitly discussed that because of the um, america the european union, union and the chinese china and china are the other major world powers as right. like they've mentioned well when this comes up the listeners can know that I did find that correction because it is on a prior recording. Yeah. <laughs> okay. But anyway, Cecily is amazed that he's been accepted, given that uh, I knew that the school was quite liberal, but I still presume that you might be ostracized. I don't think she understands what liberal means in this con- or could mean in this context. Hmm. Uh, Suzuku says that there was oh, there were some tensions at first, but I ran into an old friend of mine who helped smooth everything over. And now we're all gravy. Except probably not actually. They're just on the surface. Yeah. Yeah. So Cecily suggests that he should keep this friend close because if they. This is a weird phrasing here. So she says that uh, it was predestined. You know, if they continue to hang out, it was predestined that they would meet up with each other again. And I don't know what that means at all. That just feels like some. Maybe it makes more sense in Japanese, or it's like a Japanese phrase, because it doesn't really make any sense to me. Be sure you never take that friend for granted. If your friendship continues, your reunion won't have been coincidence, it will have been predestined. Okay. Anyway, please try one of these. But at this point, Lloyd comes in and shoes everyone out, saying that they're done for the day, and Cecily tells Suzuku, uh, look, go hang out with your friends. I know that class is over, but, you know, it's, it's club activity time, and you should have a normal social life. We then cut to the student council room where Callan and Shirley are setting up a cardboard home for the cat underneath the shoddy banner marked Cat House. Uh, Shirley asks Callan, hey, are you hiding something for me? And when Callan plays dumb, Shirley says she saw her the other day. And Callan just fucking pops the knife just in case. Yeah. Yeah. So funny. It startles the hell out of the cat. She She's almost knifes the cat. Arms. She almost yeah. shakes it. 
Wait, isn't that the name of a cat from the the, the musical Cats? It's like something Shank. Skimble Shanks. Skimble the railway cat. Yes, exactly. It's gonna turn into Skimble Shanks. But unfortunately, Shirley is an idiot and just asks, "You're going out with Lelouch, aren't you?" Uh, there's some dope, there's some hijinks. The knife is sheathed. Shirley gets to live another day. And uh, we've been be- we begin cutting between footage of troop movements and various members of the student council going about their day. Uh, the only one of any interest is that Millie is being forced into an arranged marriage by her mother via phone call to who we don't know, just in uh, the service of reestablishing the Ashford family name. So one of the commanders begins narrating for us as we see the troops take up position. The Saitama Ghetto is now completely surrounded. It's where the Yamato Alliance makes their home base. Half the people in this neighborhood are either members or collaborators. From the Viceroy's throne, Cornelia asks if this will have any effect on production. When she's assured the 0.2% drop is within parameters, she turns to a trio of men to her side. It seems she's shown mercy to some of the folks involved in the Shinjuku disaster, and wants to know, do they think this is similar to that? The same conditions? We cut away from her grin before we hear a response. The news then begins broadcasting, very openly, the military's movement. Saitama is surrounded, terrorists suspected inside, Viceroy Cornelia on the scene. Rather than investigate this further, we proceed to cut to Cece putting pizza stamps on a punch card, completely uncaring <laughs> about the rest of the world. She would like to collect the cheese-coon pillow. Mm-hmm. Lelouch emerges from the bathroom solemnly, and before he can say why he's so morose, diarrhea, we cut back to the news mm-hmm. broadcast where the blonde producer, Dietard, spells out for another member of the team, we're laying a very blatant trap for audience members who haven't figured this out yet. Mm-hmm. Cornelia has the same conversation with her generals, who wonder why she'd place herself out as bait like this. She says simply, this is a battle, pride is at stake, and Zero has a flair for the dramatic. Thus, she'll set a stage and hope he plays his part. Smash cut to Cece going, this is a trap, you know, and Lelouch, preparing his things, among them a stolen Britannian soldier's uniform, simply says, sure, but they're going to such trouble to invite me. Besides, he says, he's got this question he wants to ask Corneria. Have you seen this man? And uh, before you can elaborate, uh, Cece asks, uh, destroying Britannia or finding your mother's killer, which is more important to you? Lelouch just goes full shitty light and says both are equally important. Por que no los dos? In a statement that will never obviously be tested in the heat of combat. Mm-mm, no, sir. Mm-hmm. So CC continues pressing him, saying that uh, the thing that he's so pissed about, which is uh, the royal succession being a chain of backstabbing and betrayal and all that, is what ensures Britannia remains the dominant world power. Lelouch then snaps at her that it's only this way because of his shitty dad. Of course, it's not the system. It's just the guys in power. And what's he supposed to do? Just dis- just discard his sister because she's not cutthroat enough and now that she's uh, disabled. And this is where uh, Cece interrupts him by cocking a gun and pointing at him as if this helps at all. Uh, meanwhile, Suzuku is just walking through the halls of the same building with a cat toy in hand until he stumbles upon the room uh, Callan is exiting with the scream of there's nothing going on between Lelouch and I, making him insanely jealous, I'm sure. And <laughs> uh, he enters to find a depression clouded Shirley holding the cat amidst the toys like they built an entire cat tower in the corner of the, of the student council room. 
just for this cat. Yeah, there's there's probably like a couple hundred bucks worth of toys and it's a cat lot. trees and mm-hmm. cardboard scratching posts. It's wild how much these two have just set up. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure they uh, all build it to the school as, uh, you know, student council related uh, materials. You know, if you control the budget, you can hide things under the swim club all you like. Oh, oh, yeah, yeah. But anyway, Suzuku goes, uh, oh, where's Lelouch? And he gets cut off. And he's like, I don't know where he is. And I don't give a damn. And uh, yeah, student council is entirely made up of perfectly normal children. Extremely normal. Nothing weird going on at all. Don't worry about mm-mm, it. Mm-mm, mm-mm. We return to Cece, who says she's not going to allow him to get himself killed and ruin their contract. And Lelouch begins logicking his way out of this by saying, "I'm not, you're not going to shoot me. And she says, I'm not going to kill you. I'm just going to shoot you in the leg and keep you out of this. And he goes, oh, you can't use the gas, are you? Can you? That's why you're going right to violence after ordering me back. And then he pulls his own gun. And she feel she just is not threatened by this. And then he holds it up to his own head and says, "No, but you're threatened by this." <laughs> and uh, he gives her a speech about how before he met her, he was dead inside, just playing a part. But he won't return to that failure of himself. If his options are give up and or die, he'd rather die. And she puts down her gun, satisfied, saying, "I see. It's a life without meaning that upsets you." And then we smash cut to a random Japanese man being gunned down in the ghetto, center frame. Uh, and we find out this is the mayor of the area. Like he's like, yeah. this. Oh, is that's people... not in the dub. Oh, okay, yeah. In the in the sub, they say this is the mayor, and then the other people around were also representatives of the. Yeah, area. they said so they everyone around yeah. was like the administration of this district. I didn't know that was the mayor that went first. Yeah, mayor went first. <laughs> uh, as the folks behind him protest, saying they've done nothing, one of the guards says that is their crime, doing nothing. Nobody reports the terrorists living among them. The guards are then ordered to open fire on the crowd. Uh, here's a nice note. In the first episode, the guards still all had visible features under simple helmets. This time out, they've all got full-face rebreathers and goggles, literally rendering them faceless, just to make the fascism metaphor more real. Mm-hmm. So Cornelia gives her order. The schedule is set. The trap is laid. Begin exterminating the Elevenths. Frames and tanks deploy and begin an outside-in sweep of the district. You know, here's the problem. I don't think the show thinks that the the police fascism is bad. I think they literally only care that this is oppression of people that are already conquered. I don't think they had a problem with the fact that there was a war that was won and lost. I know everyone tells me the second season of this shits the bed. I don't know how. I wonder where this is going to fall apart, because at least right now, it's got the trappings laid out. It seems to have a thesis that it's spitting out here. What leg collapses first that causes the stumble? Well, they just decide, now nah, we're going to do a set, a different, an entirely different show now later. Oh, well... Hmm. Yeah, I mean, like, I would imagine that, I mean, it's hard for me to think that this show has a specific political intent because it's such a mishmash of other things. But yeah, it definitely does feel like, oh, well, you know, if the if the British Empire weren't or Britannia Empire weren't so shitty, this wouldn't be so bad, which I guess if you're Japanese and 
you know, you built up pretty good after America you know, blew your shit up, then maybe you'd probably be slightly softer towards that kind of thing happening to you, assuming you don't get, you know, gunned down in a ghetto or whatever. I don't know. It's it's definitely a question. Mm -hmm. On the edge of the district, we see Jeremiah and his unit just sitting there. They have been ordered to stand down on this operation. He's complaining about it, and one of the other guys who was trying to kill him just a few days prior goes, Yeah, it's because Orange is here. Thanks. You've ruined all of our careers. <laughs> Meanwhile, Lelouch has snuck into the ghetto in his stolen Valor costume and stands out just enough to attract the attention of a Sutherland pilot. He lures the man out by saying he's with a recon unit and retrieved a disc from a fallen terrorist. Can, uh, can you plug this in and send the data to HQ? When the pilot emerges, still skeptical, he gets gassed into handing over his mech. So, after the commercial break, Lelouch continues to do the exact same thing as he did before, which is get on the radio, contact the local cells within Saitama, and go, If you listen to me, I'll get you a victory. I'm going to play some chess. The rebels do as he says, and with Zero's knowledge of the troop movements, they begin ambushing some of the groups as they're redeployed or split apart. Same thing as we saw in Shinjuku. But this time, um, we have Corneria. Cornelia, I did it again. This time, uh, Cornelia is the one uh, calling the shots, and she's in the command center. Uh, the Shinjuku veterans are all called out, and yep, this is 100% the same thing that they saw last time. There's a stolen mecha, troop movements are being predicted, ambushes are winnowing their numbers, and uh, Cornelia just watches silently. A few more incidents occur, and she says that this is becoming pointless. And against the orders of her commanders and the Shinjuku squad, she tells all units to fall back behind the ghetto perimeter, saying that formation doesn't matter. Wait, doesn't it say she specifically call out formation four? I thought she. No, that's later. That's later. Okay. All right. Never mind. So Lelouch thinks that he has won it. Uh, Lelouch thinks that he has won the day and will just sneak in with the forces retreating uh, near Corne Cornelia's ship in order to get close to her uh, because he won't be able to pull the same trick as he did with Clovis. Uh, elsewhere, we get a weird interlude with Cece, who's talking to somebody we can't see, and she doesn't have a phone, but she's clearly holding a one-sided conversation and is talking about how someone can't resist his blood. and. Presumably that's a Lelouch, we don't know. Then she takes offense at someone and asks, I understand, but who do you think I am anyway? Which is a, a question I wonder about her all the time, actually. I'm sorry, my eyebrows almost jumped off my fucking face when I remember who this is. Uh, <laughs> I don't know that, so this is one of my only surprises about her. Meanwhile, Suzuku and Shirley have a discussion about how they know, how, about how they know Lelouch. He's cagey about their past, but Shirley says she first met the guy when he... Uh, had a man's car towed away from the scene of the wreck because uh, he was trying to uh, fuck over a Japanese citizen that he uh, crashed into. No, he and, and uh, Rivals tow the car. You see them at the front of the fucking vehicle. Oh, I thought that they were. He called in like a truck, and the truck just dragged. Like he no, he put they're a the, on the ones truck driving and the truck dragged it. it away. <laughs> How are they driving it in that tiny ass motorcycle? That no, they're I think in. They, they commandeer a truck. Is the thing. Yeah, I'd have to I look don't and see it again. It's just wild because, yeah, I thought it was, oh, yeah, they, they called someone. But no, then we cut to the front of the vehicle and they're both there. Incredible. <laughs> Suzuku goes, that's a hell of a way to fall in love. And Shirley doesn't deny it, going, oh, is that what the, this is? 
And uh, Millie is outside of the room listening in and is jealous of her being able to make that choice. And uh, back in the ghetto, Cornelia says she's got this and asks her attendant, her knight, Gilbert, if he'll lead her forces. Uh, outside, Zero is in a crowd of identical mecha and thinks he's got this in the bag if he just waits and takes or makes his own opening like he did with Clovis. Uh, and suddenly his phone begins ringing from the student council room. And uh, it's because Suzuku has decided to just be direct and call him and go, Hey, so did Colin kiss you the other day? Also, do you love Shirley? And Shirley, uh, <laughs> upon realizing this is his plan, grabs his phone, grabs the phone and just slams it down, leaving Lelouch puzzled on the battlefield. And then we just do the, uh, the, the classic anime, guy falls on top of girl, except he gets bit by a cat. Mm-hmm. And then uh, Shirley yeah. says, did that hurt much? And Suzuku says, greatly. It's a pretty it's good so, comedic bit. It's it's so transparent, though. It's just like, a, okay, all right, we have Lelouch's romantic pair. Let's get Suzuku out of this action. He'll just steal uh, this other girl from uh, from Lelouch. Don't let me forget to talk about how tiny Colin's hat is. Okay. Um, Lelouch watches as Cornelia sends her royal guards out into the ghetto, and he radios one of the rebels to tell them, activate your transmitter and just wait. Cornelia then sees this and tells her men, go over there and kill that guy. The Shinjuku squad are shocked, but Cornelia's own troops are like, no, no, she's doing something, just watch. And she explains that whatever's going on over there, this is obvious bait and they're not taking it. Her suspicion is confirmed when the instant that unit is destroyed, Lelouch's order to have a second try the same trick pops within seconds. Uh, As they start sending five guys over to that one, He picks up on this going poorly and tries to get the cell to retreat and regroup, but this is where his uh, amazing skills of command start to waver. Half of them are ejecting out of the stolen Sutherlands, others are visibly disarming from their hiding places and walking out into the street and surrender. Cornelia, unsurprisingly, is not the sort of general who accepts surrender, giving Mm -hmm. her troops an order to just fire on every rebel. Should have not been surprised at all. No, not in the least, but, you know, I imagine if you are under Clovis, you get kind of complacent as a rebel, because he did not seem good at this. Mm. The few who remained armed are now openly telling Zero to fuck off on the comms, and they get picked off immediately by obvious traps as he's trying to steer them away. Within minutes, he is receiving no response, and Cornelia declares the mission is complete from the flagship. She tells all the troops to take Formation 4 before her, and then, knowing damn well Zero is in the area, orders all Nightmare Frame pilots to open their hatches and remove helmets. Lelouch spends about a solid minute in a panicked monologue as inspections take place down the line. When he's approached, he stalls with, uh, My hatch was damaged in combat, and the other troops just say, Well, turn around then, we can open it from the outside. Mm-hmm. By the way, we didn't call it out, but that first guy gets owned so hard because he gets stabbed by like the lances in like three directions. Yeah, three royal guardsmen just aim, uh-huh. and the first one goes right through, through the cockpit. Yeah, no, fucking owned so hard. So, and like, God, Lelouch is getting so panicky. Like they they sit in that moment for a lot longer than I anticipated. Yeah, I'm not t- kidding when I say it's over a minute worth of mm-hmm. him just in negative filter, sitting here going, oh, God, what is it? 
do I go firing? No, I need to, well, no, that won't get me anything. Yeah, extremely light about to be owned (laughs) at the end of Death Note energy. He's kind of given up and he's out of time anyway. And so he begins to submit defeat and is going to become exposed before he hears, Sir, zero sighted on the radio. And indeed, atop a nearby building is another identical noodle person in a mask and cape staring out silently into the crowd. And Cornelia sees uh, nothing wrong with this. Just telling the room, see, I told you he's got a flair for the dramatic. And so here he is. <laughs> the troops begin firing and Zero simply takes a step backwards, falling to Earth out of sight. And Cornelia sees no reason to pursue, saying uh, if he made himself known so openly, he's got an escape route planned and pursuit is most likely going to lead us into more traps uh, rather than uh, being able to capture him. But in the confusion, Lelouch manages to get away and escape his frame, taking an underground path to try to flee the district. And he's making headway when he runs into Zero. Uh, Petulantly, he asks uh, why they even bother. He had this under control, lol, JK, and is silenced uh, when it turns out that the person under the mask is Cece, which, I mean, we all should have predicted, but I completely forgot that that was the most obvious person that it should be. (laughs) And uh, she puts him in his place by saying, I repeat, you're of no use to me dead. Let's be real. How much funnier would this have been if the only other person it could have been turned out to be under the mask, which is Nunnally? Well, that would have been hilarious. I mean, granted, she's not that tall. <laughs> it wouldn't make sense physically. Yeah, it'd be even funnier if it were the cat. And <laughs> it's a it's a hover wheelchair. Also, <laughs> she's definitely that tall. She's got legs. <laughs> Fair enough. Uh, it would be even funnier though if the mask came up and the, the cat was in there still. Uh, that that's would have been the best thing. Actually. That's how it fell off the building safely. Uh-huh, 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 uh-huh. <laughs> we just didn't see it land on all four legs. <laughs> oh my god, imagining the cat in the Zero costume scampering through the streets. Uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. <laughs> uh, and, then, and then they have to do the cat chase again. We just do this every episode. <laughs> Look, if Trails games have taught me anything, it's that you must chase a cat at least three times. Mm-hmm. Anyway, he said that he would have totally won if the conditions were equal. And Cece shuts him up, calling him a sore loser, which is true. Uh, If you're as good as you think, you should be able to set the conditions. Uh, He swears that he will. He'll raise an army that Britannia can't crush. Uh, He calls it a a people, a nation. And then we get credits. And this is that statement. And then this episode is where we find out that the show has politics in it, but does not have politics itself in a way that's very depressing. Mm -hmm. Uh. We open episode eight, The Black Knights, on a particularly brutal scene of life in one of the ghettos, a crying child, people so dead inside on drink or despair that they just sit in the ruined structures, unmoving. And uh, suddenly there's a roaring sound and the glass begins shaking and only a few people even react anymore. And we pan up from one of these shacks to twin trains rushing by on a rail bridge above the district and the student council riding in luxury, loving the view, doing Mm -hmm. the bus meme. Uh... (laughs) Specifically, this car is full of Shirley, Millie, and Nina, and they're on their way to a lakeside resort. Uh, Millie decides they should gossip about boys they all like, and Shirley says, I'm sure you have plenty to say about this subject, Miss Class President. And Millie goes, who can say? And then Nina is just full white flight mode when they go into a tunnel. (laughs) 
And they're like, Holy shit. Millie's like, it's fine. The resort's all Britannia. They have excellent security. You don't have to worry about those people. And uh, the reassurance is, is, it's not the ghettos at all. That is a direct quote. <laughs> it's a lot. God. Mm-hmm. love to take a God. podcast where I have to continually refer to the place people live as the ghetto. It is technically a descriptor, but yes. Yeah. They are using it right. I hate to give them that. Meanwhile, in underground parts unknown, Oki's cell meets up with Zero, and he is giving them the gift of a fuck-off huge transport. Mm-hmm. Clearly some kind of party bus or large RV. <laughs> it's swank as hell. Padded conversation pit, couch, tables, stairs to a second floor with its own office. The works. It's got TV, and they can still get TV under underground or whatever. Yes, uh, he casually tosses off that he just asked for it from a nobleman who indulges him, and it's now this group's to use. No strings I mean, attached. Te- technically correct. That is what he did, probably. <laughs> oh, yeah. I, I love a running thread of how in Zero Guys, Lelouch is just putting up these weird affects to throw people off. Like, oh, yeah, I just have this nobleman who just gives me mm-hmm. things if I ask. Like he has a patron in terrorism. I mean, he probably won it off of a chess game or something, right? Maybe, but that, that would no, because that would pin him too easily. Then we yeah. see the so, guy handing over the keys, and he's got like the little uh, rings around his eye. Oh uh, yeah, he probably he asked him. Yeah, that makes the most. That's exactly it. He got this. He got this under someone else. So that means that he has the name. He has the paperwork. None of it's tied to him. So they can't report this as stolen and immediately see it flagged. It's just this guy bought one of these things and he doesn't know he owns it. So Callan points out this is an excellent cover. Literally nobody would think that terrorists would have a vehicle like this, doubly so if it's not reported missing. And as Matt mentioned, there's a TV on board and one of the other goons just starts playing around with it. So we hear that the Lake Kawaguchi Hotel and Convention Center has been taken hostage by the Japan Liberation Front. Specifically, as we'll find out from seeing the actual JLF watch this same broadcast, it is a splinter faction of hotheads under Kusakabe who weren't content with the general's constant cry of patience. The hostage situation is now occurring because there's a major trade conference over the rights to not-lithium, Sakuradite, 70% Mm -hmm. of which is unsurprisingly produced in Japan. The move is being made now, because all sorts of world diplomats and figures are here for the conference, and so this is much harder to cover up and might put pressure on Britannia as a whole from the outside world. Unfortunately, this is also the exact spot where Millie, Shirley, and Nina are at, and they are front and center in the footage of the terrorists' release. And this is when we find out Reval somehow works at a bar? Yup! Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's You're not like unusual 12, in Japan, the teenagers. The teenagers could work uh, if you can't drink. Uh, Well, teenagers can work, but also, you know this is a school that has rules about not having a job. You're right. But then again, he's also facilitating, like, like, (laughs) you know, illegal chess matches. Yeah, underground gambling bullshit. Yeah. Falls is just breaking rules in a way that is much more acceptable than Lelouch. He he should be, he should be cooler, but he's not. He's just, (laughs) he's just a chub. No, he was but, doomed the instant his parents named him Revolves. Yeah, seriously. Also, this is like the most like come attack me terrorists event ever. 
And it's like amazing that it, they actually were able to take over the building because you think there would have been incredible security around this. You'd think, but also it, I get the feeling based on the fact that this is a weird floating hotel and yeah. also uh-huh. given the also state fully conquered territory. Yeah. Well, I think it's the fact that it's a resort makes the security light because you can't have the actual paid rich guests getting upset mm-hmm. about checkpoints and things. Mm-hmm. Mm. Yeah, I, I can see. I can see that logic. I wonder if this is like a real building in Japan, because it seems very specific and also the worst design ever. <laughs> yeah, the entire building, like, keep it from drowning by a single piece of concrete. Yeah, yeah, seriously. Yeah, I did not find anything equivalent. I did a couple of things about a floating hotel, but no, clearly nothing at this range. Yeah, yeah. actually, it, it does kind of remind me a little bit of... Uh, Project Aco, like they have the tower in the middle of the lake kind of thing. Yeah, but that's a crashed spaceship. No, it's a totally different, you know, I get it. <laughs> I'm just saying like the image of like the tower in the middle of the lake. It just reminded me of that. Uh, I, I have the second movie. I haven't watched it yet. Well, we'll put that on the back burner. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Anyway, Revolves tries to call Lelouch, but he just sends the call to voicemail and we see uh revolves get pissed off enough to throw his phone over this because you know it, he probably thinks lelouch is in on this right this is the second time like a terrorist thing happens and then he can't reach he can't reach lelouch at some point people are gonna have to start suspecting him yeah seriously uh and apparently lelouch cried a single tear into his zero mask i don't remember that <laughs> but apparently that happened Yes, it's very funny. It is straight up Doctor Doom crying on nine eleven. <laughs> I did not know about that. Oh, you didn't? No, I no. What's going in recording text? Uh, because I mean, also, I'm not a comic book guy. <laughs> it's a particularly infamous panel. Oh, I would imagine so. <laughs> Good God. Uh, anyway. Ogie mentions the JLF are easily the largest anti-Britannian group around, but wonders if something this, you know, an act this rash, which is outside their usual purview, is due to feeling upstaged by the whole zero thing. Like, did he cause this to happen unintentionally? Uh, oh, Lord. (laughs) (laughs) For those of you who have not seen this panel... Please note that Dr. Doom is crying under the mask in the foreground, but next to him are a very off-model kingpin who looks like mm-hmm. he's been stepped on, and Magneto just kind of looking around going, I've never been this effective. <laughs> Ridiculous. Oi. I love the Oi. idea that they're basically making Magneto a first responder because of all the lifting beams. Hmm. <laughs> Anyway, we cut to uh, Cornelia's command center where she's being briefed. And uh, there's a wild detail here, which is that uh, this is the first time we've seen one of these royal command vehicles uh, from anything but the front. And so what we find out is that this thing is so massively heavy that it's tearing grooves into the pavement as it goes down the street. It is that heavy. It's pretty wild. Th- this show is so good on the weirdest details like that. Mm-hmm. Nobody would have thought anything if they didn't do that, but it's just like, 
some guy in the design team is definitely a mecha or military otaku. For sure. <laughs> and it must feel really lonely next to the, all this other shit going on in this show. <laughs> it's like occasionally this show remembers there are mechs in it. Uh, so, like, that thing would not cross that bridge. It would definitely sink that bridge. Oh, yeah, no, that thing could not get across the bridge. Mm -hmm. But you notice mm -hmm. it's on the other side. Yeah, it doesn't have to. <laughs> so the splitter cell has destroyed all the bridges to the hotel, save the front facing one and has troops positioned to take out any air or sea vehicles. Presumably they already have seaford the bridge, right? Uh, the, the one that's left because it does kind of blow up pretty quickly, right? Or am I thinking something else? Yeah, you're thinking from the last episode where they last drop episode, it in the yeah, middle yeah. of the ghetto. Yeah, I don't know. Like that, that happened really fast to the point of like, how did how did that happen so quickly? <laughs> it was very weird. That you know, cool. presumably, if that ghetto was where your organization was using as a headquarters, you yeah. have a few things like that for escapes or whatever. Yeah, but I think you see a hand like place the C four, which is what makes it even weirder because no, it was they, already in place. We see them placing C four in this episode. Okay, all right. Mixing the two up, I get it. It's also like theoretically possible that the Britannians did it, and they're in their units, and they can set it off, right? If you want to cut off, oh, a place, good point. Yeah, easy way to do it. <laughs> yep, 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 yep. But the the commanders say uh, there's one more approach vector left, which is this underwater transport tunnel beneath the hotel, and uh, yeah, so like apparently this is the way they get supplies. It is not through the roads where the cars would go. There's an underneath tunnel. And an underneath tunnel, underneath tunnel, you know, you can have, an, you can have an, a tunnel that's like above ground, but goes into a side of a mountain. That's kind of I don't know. You get you get what the fuck I'm saying. Anyway, the it's but it's underneath the bridge. Mm -hmm. And the move is going to be sending nightmare frames in to collapse the structure underneath because there is this uh, <laughs> the, the big fuck me button, which is this giant, uh, you know, cement One column strut. that we mentioned earlier. Yeah, you 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 shoot it there and the Death Star explodes. So they're gonna send a bunch of people in and that they'll basically put a timer on like eight minutes before uh I think it's later they say eight minutes before the whole structure sinks where the, the hostages are because they figure out where the hostages are. Yeah that's the, the final that's the final half of the episode. But yeah the idea is uh, they're probably just gonna say fuck the hostages at least for now. And the three men who are sent in in the frames, they're all cocky. They're like, oh, yeah, we got these Sutherlands, the JLF. They all have old hardware. We're going to fuck them up. And it's this point that we find out that the faction has developed uh, basically a, a railgun shotgun <laughs> uh, by, like, taking a bunch of older frames and, like, combining them together. And it's rad as hell. <laughs> this looks like an armored core boss. It really does. Cordelia is um, not thrilled by the news. She screams about how they're not bowing to terrorists, but Gilbert settles her down, settles her down a little bit. Yeah, but what about your sister? And it turns out Euphemia decided to just come hang out, pretending to be a student to just watch. Students love mineral conventions. Uh, her <laughs> name isn't on the roster, but now they're on a timer before someone discovers who she is or does not discover who she is and treats her like another expendable hostage. And uh, we find out they're very expendable. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. 
A brief interlude at Ashford Academy from the rooftop. CC watches the girl Lelouch Gast carve another cross into the wall. And she's holding another conversation with nothing. God. God. Okay. Yeah. Saying yes. Yes. I'll try to look out for him this time, but I'm not his guardian. Across the bridge, Suzuku, Lloyd, and Cecily are all sitting on the bank of the lake and skipping stones in frustration. Suzuku would love to send the Lancelot in and help mm-hmm. with the assist and assist the operation, but there's this big roadblock in the way called Cornelia is racist, and it's time for Chris's anti-colonialism sidebar. Uh, <laughs> This is where I got very annoyed at this TV show because it's clearly thought a little bit about political power, but in the way a 12-year-old does, because it doesn't understand how social structures assist in the process of colonization. Uh, They have Cecily ask, what's the point of even having the honorary Britannian system then? And we're all supposed to go, yeah, that's right, get their ass. Mm -hmm. But the show writers clearly don't understand that the fact that it's useless is the point. Because uh, social structures like this that give the impression you're closing the gap without actually closing the gap channel unrest and rebellion into a reformist colonizer mindset like Suzuku. Right. I I don't think that's surprising at all, given Japan's history with Korea. Uh, Right? No. (laughs) Because that's exactly how they're wrestling or not wrestling with it. No, we did nothing wrong in Korea. We're totally fine. There has uh, basically never been a colonizer that's like, oh, that was bad. Sorry. Well, yeah. that's not true. We do it now in the dumbest way possible, which is land entitlements, like land entitlements, uh, recognizing who lived here before. Fuck off. <laughs> Those people are still here. Give it back. God. Had we had this discussion before I wrote the opening joke, there would definitely be a land acknowledgement about Area 11 for the conference. That would be our opening bit. Oh, shit. Nothing depresses me more than land acknowledgements. It is the most liberal idea of Mm anti-colonialism. Let's be real. Land acknowledgements became a joke the instant you had the REI Anti-Union podcast put out that began with a land acknowledgement before the CEO went on to talk union busting with an employee. That's so so fucking funny. And then the the other thing that happens here is another, like, fully fully misunderstanding how social structures and power interact uh, at the end of this, and we'll discuss that more. Mm Mm-hmm. But meanwhile, we see Oki's cell loading the bus with equipment. In the back, Zero is watching the broadcast where we get to see Shirley's father give an impassioned speech about the innocence in the building. Lelouch is feeling humbled because he only got his ass handed to him like two days ago with Cornelia, and he's torn between wanting to lead a rescue, but also knowing he does not have the troops or any kind of position to work for if he charges in. Before he gets interrupted, though, he does start wondering, why hasn't Cornelia stormed the building? This is the exact sort of thing she'd crush with force. Callan, however, has heard the broadcast and is concerned about the other students, because, again, they've all seen the student council people are there, asking, uh, what do you think will happen to the hostages? And under the zero mask, Luce just goes, I'm sure that if this goes on long enough, they'll find no use for the lives of Britannians. Callan's like, 
Yeah, you're probably right. But Oki interrupts because he just found a box full of hip uniforms and wonders why they got handed over to them. Mm -hmm. Zero's like, shut up about that because we're not a resistance group anymore. We're going to be Knights for Justice. <laughs> just got to do the cops again. <laughs> yeah, but now they have drip. They look like they're supposed to be leading the world's shittiest police union parade. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, what, what is it? Uh, uh, tired fashion police woke cop drip. <laughs> drip cops. <Ugh. laughs> drip cops? <laughs> I hate it. <laughs> Anyway, it's uh, now nighttime. Uh, Cecily is working alongside Suzuku, tuning and checking the Lancelot just to make sure it's uh, ready, just in case they get to use it. And he begins talking about how he has faith in the system for some reason. He says, uh, I prefer the logic of systems to individual emotions. And before he can go any further, though, the pair begin hearing urgent chatter over the radio. Ridiculous. Uh, <laughs> Suzuku sucks. So... The frames cameras let them zoom in on the top of the building where they watch as the splinter cell has led a hostage to the edge of the building and simply shove him off. <laughs> and uh, Kusakabe gives a second statement to the press following this saying, our demands have gone unanswered. And as a result, we will dispose of one hostage every 30 minutes until negotiations commence. For the sake of those in this building, I hope any attempts at diplomacy are in good faith. Rip to that guy. Yep. So Cornelia is pissed. Uh, her commanders urge her to try and negotiate, uh, you know, trying to get the women and children first uh, concession before they, like, you know, actually start talking uh, brass tacks. Uh, and no, that'll her allow commanders them to are telling her, if you get the women and children out, Euphemia's not there and we can just send in the tanks. Yeah. And so fuck all the Britannian men who are there. They'll just die uh, as a sac necessary sacrifice. Uh, which, I mean, totally makes sense for them. Mm -hmm. uh, but she refuses this because she says negotiation only legitimizes terrorists, which you've probably heard before. So before she can sulk about her sister being in danger, however, another man runs in and says that they've just received a message from Zero. We cut to uh, Dieter fishing on the lake shore as uh, he has to ask one of his staff, uh, what the hell do you mean Van 3 was stolen by Zero? <laughs> <laughs> it turns out that, yep, the terrorist leaders have just grabbed one of the media vans and is uh, driving it slowly towards the military's mobile command center with uh, Zero just standing atop the thing in full view, as we've seen him do before. Inside the van, everyone's now dressed in the uniforms, hats with dark visors covering their face and black garb with a silver sash on it. The troops are wondering why they didn't use the luxury van for this. Spoilers, it would not be a secret base at this point, idiot. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. uh, but also, they're pissing their pants, and they're like, I don't think we're going to get out of this one alive, chief. <laughs> Cornelia and her royal guard drive out in front of the van at the edge of the bridge, and Cornelia exits her vehicle to talk to Zero directly. She says, whether he's here to help them or not, royal matters come first, and she'll have his head for the assassination of Prince Clovis as she draws the most ornate rifle and points it at him. And uh, he speaks, saying, Cornelia, which would you choose, Clovis, who is dead, or Euphemia, who is alive? 
and she immediately falters inside the mask. Lelouch is grinning, realizing he's put two and two together correctly about why she's holding back, saying, you've always been the doting older sister to Euphemia, sister dear, and thanks to himself, it's the only reason you wouldn't have taken action if her life was the one in danger. And then he speaks to her again, saying, I can rescue her. I can save your sister, Euphemia. And and this is where I go, doesn't he give away way too much by knowing who this woman is, <laughs> who Euphemia no. is in the first place? Right? Yeah. I don't know who Euphemia is. Nobody knows who she is. She's basically been kept cloistered her entire life, which is why uh, Suzuku didn't recognize her. Okay, but here's the thing. Suzuku's not royalty. There's nothing that says a well-connected terrorist wouldn't know two royals mm. came to the city. I I guess. I don't know. I feel like the Euphemia thing, and the fact that he can recognize... I think the thing is, there's a Euphemia existing, and there's being able to recognize who she is. And I, I guess you could say that this was just... You could treat it as it was a bet. Be saying, like, I know Cornelia well enough that the only thing... That's exactly that, it. That's this is a bet, yeah. and when when her gun drops, he's like, got it. I got him. Yeah, yeah. Because otherwise, I guess, I was like wondering, like, does he already know she's in the building? Does he know what she looks like? Does he, I don't know. I mean, he does know what she looks oh, like. Oh, he does. He does. Right. Yeah, that's fair, because he's part of the family. Duh. Um, I was just wondering if there was, like, some way this comes back around where Cordelia says, wait a second, he shouldn't know that unless he's part of the royal family or connected to the royal family. I think at this point, Euphemia being here is more common knowledge. Remember, we had the incident where she announced herself in front of the leaks unit. So mm. you presume if Jeremiah is compromised, that's how this gets out to terrorists. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, I, I, I can buy that. I feel like Euphemia existing is not a secret anymore. Mm-hmm. Inside, Kusakabe is informed that Zero is across the bridge and seeking to enter, a request which was conveyed by the Britannian military? He's intrigued by whatever the hell is going on here and orders his men to let Zero pass the gates. The van then do- This show does a thing so often where Zero just stands on top of something going two miles an hour. <laughs> I love it. It's so funny. Every and time. It's it's so much better here because it's just driving past a furious Cornelia, visibly biting her lip at having to allow this publicly. Mm -hmm. Zero's loving this shit. He's like, either the JDF think of me as nothing but a nuisance, or they'll treat me as an equal. Either way, I guarantee they'll want to eat the infamous Zero, and all the conditions are met. Wait, isn't this supposed to be the JLF? Yeah, it is JLF. Yeah. I, I screwed up. Sorry. <laughs> I was My brain like, was JDF, thinking like, that is actual... the real Japanese defense force. That's a real thing. <laughs> That's right. JLF. Uh, either way, I, okay. I screwed up. I, just, I, I would be real. There are definitely things that I have to go over these notes and check. Like, I have definitely written Cornelia's name five different ways, and then I check it at the end and make sure it all says Cornelia. Let's just all, like, agree to call her Corny. Just leave with that. No, <laughs> I hate writing Yuffie, even though it's an easier summary and she does kind of go by it half the time. But well, I'm, I'm, I'm used to do what yeah. we did and just use one letter abbreviations where you put a key to it in the header. And then we had to change the font because uh, the, in the default font, the capital I for Edatori looked like an L. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. 
I'm I'm used to Yuffie though specifically because uh you know uh, what was it uh Magic Revo Revo was last um like just ran in the spring uh and that was a uh, one of the main characters was named Yuffie. Got it. Got it. Good show. Uh, Worth watching. Yeah. No, I heard it was all right. Yeah, it's pretty good. At the other end of the bridge, the commanders ask Cornelia what the hell they're doing allowing this. And she says, worst case, this buys us time before another hostage dies. Best case, all of our enemies are trapped in one place now and we can swoop in for a kill at the end. It's win-win. And with that, we smash cut to Lloyd, who gets off the phone with Glee and tells Suzuku, Lancelot's approved for usage! Specifically, Cornelia says that they're going to have the Lancelot tank the railgun so the Royal Guard can sneak past and save the day. Cecile finds this abhorrent, but Suzuku says he doesn't mind. I would gladly risk my life if it means it might save those of the innocents inside. Suzuku is a fascinatingly hateful character. Uh-huh. <laughs> it's a turbo. Because weapon. he's... You get where he's coming from, it all tracks. It's consistent. He's consistently stupid, but in yeah, the way... he's a emoji guy. Yeah, but it is always the most galling thing to watch. <laughs> Suzuku would let a cop in the DSA. I mean, like, Suzuku what? would absolutely help a cop get the bricks in front of cameras. No, no, here, here's, and just take five shots of him. Like I, the fact that he basically survived, uh, <laughs> like getting shot in the back by a commanding officer, and still thinks this is a good plan. Actually, <laughs> uh, says just so much. Like that doesn't even put a single like doubt in his mind that oh wow, this isn't gonna work at all. Actually. Yet Suzuku thinks that, thank God we got rid of that bad apple. I don't know why the rest of this barrel smells funky. Uh, But anyway, we return from commercial break and get to see the first full boot up of the Lancelot. Uh, When the key is inserted, it gives a big OS splash screen that says Z01 Lancelot marching ever onwards to tomorrow. Which is, I mean, that is a slogan. The plan is given as follows. Uh, no matter what the official mission objective is, Cecily and Lloyd have been have given him a better one. So the Lancelot is to be deployed to the supply tunnel under the lake and to use anti-material fire to destroy the structure, holding it above water. Uh, estimates place the hostages in a pantry, most likely uh, most of the way up the building and uh, that they'd have about eight minutes until that portion of the hotel is underwater once it starts sinking, so... You don't want to have to walk up too many stairs on the way to kick them off the roof. (laughs) (laughs) Uh Uh-huh. So, the hostage rescue is to be left to the Royal Guard and the other units uh, while he runs as a decoy. And Lloyd says, uh, the only complication is that pesky linear cannon... You know, it's a very tight space in that tunnel, so you'll probably only have a 47% chance of evasion. Uh, but uh, I, I want you both to come back intact. I mostly care about the robot. It's really if, just if the, the Lancelot is destroyed, that's simply unacceptable. Yeah, you can die, but as long as I keep my robot. As the frame is lowered into position, Suzuku thinks back to Shirley, inviting him to come along on this trip earlier in the week. A thing he only declined because he had work that day. 
and it turns out that is going to save uh, her ass. Mm -hmm. We cut back to said pantry where Nina just decides to get casually racist at one of the guards after hours of captivity, just setting off an entire fucking firestorm in there. Nina continues to be bad. The worst. Uh, And specifically, somehow, in all this time, while being under armed surveillance, only now has she looked up at the men in Japanese military uniforms and go, oh, they're Japanese? Except this doesn't come, isn't what she says. What she says is she squeaks out an 11, and the dude is uh, very upset. (laughs) I I would just imagine that this happens all the time. Just this is the first time it got overheard. (laughs) She's just saying that every, like, 30 seconds. (laughs) (laughs) She does seem that dumb. <laughs> oh god, there's another one. <laughs> she can't tell him apart. <laughs> and another one. <laughs> Tensions begin boiling over. All three students are about to be dragged to another room for nothing pleasant. And the only thing that stops this is Euphemia standing up, revealing her identity, and asking to see the leader. Uh meanwhile, Zero is in front of Kusakabe, and the two are not seeing uh eye to eye. Um Yeah. <laughs> Kusakabe <laughs> finds the mask remaining on disrespectful and Zero sees their goals of proving the Japanese aren't dead to be stale, outdated, and beyond saving. Uh, however Kusakabe's men take offense to this and the colonel asks him to explain Before we hear what comes next we find out that 12 minutes have passed. Suzuku is ordered to deploy and the cannon warms up to intercept the frame they see on the motion sensors. We do not see the aftermath, but we do see and hear all sorts of chaos out the tunnel the troops are around. Cecile says this was a terrible plan, but Lloyd sounds like a proud father. Oh, he's not content to play decoy. He's going for the gold. Somewhere, Oki's cell in their new uniforms are setting plastic explosives. Outside of the colonel's room, we have Euphemia being brought in to meet him. But then everything inside the room gets loud and goes to hell. Whatever the discussion is after we cut away, it clearly didn't go well because Kusakabe leaps at zero with the katana he's been idly fingering all episode, claiming there's no use in further talk. And zero just opens his eye hole in the mask and says, die. The soldiers outside open the door and discover every one of their commanders has just killed themselves, Kusakabe by his own sword. And Zero caps the JLF guy who comes in in the leg and tells him, Hey, just just calm down. Your leadership couldn't handle the pressure, but I have a way out. And maybe not for you. <laughs> <laughs> Below the structure, the JLF troops are beginning to crack because Suzuku and the Lancelot evade a fifth salvo with his dodging up and around the walls of the tunnel. Uh, once again, continuing to do the roller derby thing with the Lancelot, and it rules. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. Uh, They all deploy smaller arms, set the cannon to fire a final time, and prepare to sacrifice themselves to take out this threat at any cost. We return to Zero, who has firmly taken control of the situation now, with uh, his troops holding the JLF forces uh, on this floor back at gunpoint. Uh, Inside the room, he says uh, Euphemia hasn't changed at all, still willing to sacrifice herself for the little people, even if she's sub-viceroy now. She's a bit confused by this comment, but fires back, not by choice. Someone killed my brother, you see. And he says that Clovis had the die, uh, not for his cruelty, but because he was one of the Emperor's spawn. 
And Zero says, drawing the gun, I believe someone else of that bloodline is here now, which is like, duh. <laughs> he just called it out. Uh, and this is where I'm surprised he doesn't just cap her. Like, I know the show isn't going to do that because we're supposed to like Yuffie. She's supposed to be a good person so that he's not just going to have our hero murder her. But yeah, it's kind of funny. Uh, Suzuku apologizes to uh, Miss Cecile over the radio, saying he's got no room to dodge. So he's deploying the anti-material rifle early and drops his shield. Uh, his beam rifle uh, Gundam's right through the railgun's final salvo, disintegrating the projectiles and continuing straight down the barrel of the weapon that fired it. And the whole thing explodes and it rules. Good shit. Mm hmm. Uh, from the outside, uh, Cornelia looks on in what could only be either awe or terror, simply uh, whispering, it's the Eleven, as the Lancelot rides the force upward and begins uh, firing into the building supports with pinpoint precision. The building begins to sink with the hostages screaming. Uh, Cornelia orders her guard to rush in for the rescue, but in midair, Suzuku is horrified to see Zero alone in a room surrounded by corpses staring directly out the window at him. Lelouch does not see his friend outside. He just sees it's the white nightmare from before and continues his plan, setting off the charges his team planted. Uh, Cornelia screams her sister's name as the entire floor, as an entire floor of the building goes up in flames, the force hurling the Lancelot down to the ground. Suzuku, not to be outscreamed, yells, my friends, and jumps into the collapsing structure and over Lloyd ordering him back. And uh, Dieter is just in uh, Media Van 2 going, where are the cameras? Can we at least get a signal off of Van 3? <laughs> he's perplexed by the static, thinking that from what he's seen, Zero took the camera van for a reason. So why isn't anyone broadcasting? Mm -hmm. uh, the rubble and debris slowly clears as the building eventually hits a point where it can't sink further. The first thing anyone can see after the dust clears is the Lancelot standing outside the structure with Suzuku inside cursing that once again he couldn't actually save anyone and all his friends are dead. His, uh, he's saved more people than most right now. He saved that one lady and child. Mm -hmm. But I think that also does put him in, like, the top two fucking heroes on this show right now. <laughs> I mean, yeah. Uh, on the opposing shore, Lloyd has just relieved the Lancelot is attacked, with Cecile doing a little cheer at Suzuku's survival. Elsewhere on the lake, a yacht begins pulling out of the wreckage, and suddenly, Deterd's control center picks up that signal he expected. Zero is front and center on the monitor. My dear Britannians, have no fear, he says, as the camera cuts to raft after raft of survivors floating on the lake, lit by the fire of the burning hotel. It's a pretty good effect, actually. Mm -hmm. uh -huh. All of the hostages from the hotel are safe and sound. I, Zero, return them to you unharmed. The camera zooms in on a raft where all three of the student council members are at. Uh, Millie looks furious for some reason. <laughs> we get a round robin of reactions from the cast. Suzuku is tearfully relieved. Revolves is just like, oh, cool, at his job. Uh -huh. And... Cornelia also is pissed at the brazen audacity. So unlike most people watching this, as we see the camera pan over and also a live Euphemia, Cornelia realizes that if they make a move on Zero right now, all of these people in the rafts could quickly become Zero's hostages live on air. So she is stuck. But suddenly atop the boat, 
Spotlights all begin shining on Ogi's cell. The visors and uniforms hiding any detail about uh, who, you know, what they look like. And uh, Zero continues, uh, people fear us or rally behind us as you see fit. We are the Black Knights. On the shore, Lloyd has the biggest grin, clearly loving all of this, uh, saying, ironic, terrorists taking up the title of knights against us. Hmm, like that's ever, never happened before. Uh, so Lelouch continues, uh, we of the Black Knights stand with all of those who have no weapons to wield, regardless of whether they be Elevens or Britannians. The Japanese Liberation Front cowardly took innocent civilians hostage and then mercilessly executed them. Uh, we see the actual core JLF all bowing their heads in shame at their HQ, knowing that this um, basically means that they're fucked. He continues, uh, it was a wanton and meaningless act, and those responsible have been punished. And inside JLF headquarters, uh, Toto lifts his head, intrigued by this statement. Meanwhile, in the media van, Dieter is obviously being yelled at for allowing this to go live, and he reconforms the order to let it run, saying all responsibility is on him. And uh, Zero continues with, Just as Viceroy Clovis was punished for ordering the slaughter of countless civilians and unarmed Elevens, we cannot stand by and allow such cruelty to be carried out. So we made him pay for his actions. I will not repudiate battle on a fair and level field, but neither will I tolerate a one-sided massacre of the weak by the strong. The only ones who should kill are those prepared to be killed. Uh, and then he does like these cape flourishes where he has like the most fucked up hand possible on the second one. <laughs> <laughs> I spent like five minutes trying to do it. Thumb just going the wrong way. Uh-huh. Those in power, fear us. Those who are without it, stand behind us. We are the Black Knights, and we shall stand in judgment of this world. And with the cape flourish, the speech ends, and the episode ends, as we get a shot of all of them in their outfits, and Colin has the tiniest hat possible, because it needs to fit on her head, but also she has her hair the way it is. (laughs) Fun fact. After this episode, we have the show's first skip week, and a clip show aired in the slot. This was not the only time this happened for Code Geass throughout the season. Those episodes have never been officially released in the West, and you're not missing much. Hmm. But since we're talking weird episode notes about the show, and since most of them take place around here in the numbering, let's talk about the picture drama episodes. If you felt Code Geass wasn't zany enough all the time, or that you needed more sad, tiny Lelouch content from when he was a lad, these are the bonuses for you. They are just audio plays with some new images added to give you something to look at while they play on your TV, and all but one were translated for the U.S. audience, because this show came out in the era of Bandai Visual, who were absolutely buckwild and are now dead. If you are familiar with modern U.S. distributor Aniplex, and their generally obscene pricing and collector releases of shows they have the license to, Bandai Visual was basically that ten years prior, because they were, quite literally, the Japanese arm of Bandai telling the U.S. office how to run things like the otaku-centric releases of Japan. Very expensive, and split as thinly as possible to milk fans out of as many purchases as they could. Uh, All of the picture dramas have a name like Stage 0.25 or Stage 9.33, and they consist of short character studies a lot of the time, like... Hey, let's have uh, Millie and Suzuku talking a bit about how they know folks. Or then you get fan service episodes like, After Prince Clovis's funeral, the girls all hop into a bath together and gossip about Lelouch. Or Millie arranges a cross-dressing festival for the campus. Mm-hmm. 
Matt, don't look these up because the final okay. two of them are giant fucking spoilers. Like, ev- all of them, save like two, take place around up to episode 10. And then there's a couple that are at the very end that are just like, boy, this is how we feel going into giant season ending spoiler. Mm, mm, mm. It's great. <laughs> so, yeah, how are we feeling? Uh, how are we feeling this week? Honestly, these are this is the best stretch so far for me. Like, but at, I was still kind of like, eh. Like, I feel like every time they do the like, let's just like massacre everyone in a ghetto. It just it's it's too much of an exploitation film thing for me. Like, it's trying too hard to be edgy and cool, and I feel like it misses the mark because it doesn't match up with like the fun goofiness even in the in when they're being violent and extreme like it just doesn't match up with the rest of it uh so i'm still not really very into that but uh like the bit here where you have the whole crew up in their uniforms and the big speech like that fucking owns like i that's the point where i go like oh i'm actually enjoying this now (laughs) Mm -hmm. or like we're like really going places now and Mm -hmm. uh show is good continues to be good uh continues to also be the worst in other ways yeah oh yeah it's it's an extreme like mishmash of mixed bags <laughs> you know what i mean and and like you mentioned this last episode uh Sybil, that you know the school stuff is all basically utina stuff which makes a hundred percent more sense because the the guy who wrote this also did utina novels and so like it literally seems like it's mashing up three or four different things. And this is the most where it feels like, okay, they've kind of slimmed it down to be a better focus in terms of how it's telling its story. Um, And it's just fun to see the goofy resistance group, all of these uh, ridiculous outfits. Like that's fun. I look forward to seeing what the resistance bit comes to, especially with us starting to just kill off full groups over and over because I don't think I don't think we're going to cut through Cornelia as quick as we did Clovis. She looks like she's competent. Yeah, yeah. And the thing is, but, you know, it, it would get tiresome if we did this like 10 more times, right? Like if we just another royal came in, they're they're new and threatening. They're smarter. It takes, you know, we have to do another Death Note, <laughs> you know, plot in order to uh, to get to them. And. That'll be tiresome, but at the same time, like, man, yeah, fuck Cordelia. <laughs> I hope she gets got sued. I will say, though, tactically, Lelouch fucked up off in oh, Clovis yeah. so fast. To some degree, yeah. Yeah, he... And the thing is, it's so funny. Like, it makes me wonder how much... Like, did Lelouch originally think at some point there's going to be a hostage crisis with Britannian, so I get to save the Britannian hostages and then play this uh, I'm uh, the champion of the week thing. Like it plays really well into the speech oh, he gives no. here. Um, but I don't know I how guarantee, much. Yeah. I guarantee he only thought this up after CC took him to task last episode. It's possible that he's like, it's it's when it comes to shows like this, same with Death Note, you never really, I never feel fully sure how much of this is improvisation, how much of this was just, magic plot where the guy knew what was going to happen in the future and predicted far out enough. You know, he fucking psycho history did and just knew what the steps were going to be. Uh, and cause he's such a genius. Uh, and this was one of those ones where like, I guess we'll see with the fallout and 
how Zero then interacts with the other resist, you know, the other Black Knights. We'll probably figure out how much of this was improvised versus how much was planned. But it's interesting. Um, yeah, this is, yeah, this is the first stretch where I'm like starting to have a good time. Love to try to build a people's army without any low level work at all. Oh yeah, it's a completely a fantasy, clearly. Oh yes. I think the other thing that makes it hard to guess how much of this is plotted out versus how much he's doing on the fly is there's no sense of time between each episode, by and large. Unless we directly cut from the end of one to the start of the next. It it could be weeks between each of these incidents. This could be the shittiest month in Japan's history. We don't know. I mean, that's that's a fault of the pacing. The pacing is too overpacked we're jumping from scene to scene there's just no breathing and no sense of yeah no sense of time and that's that kind of what makes this feel like a jumbled mess more than anything right and i'm sure there are answers to some of these things in the seven different spin-off manga about this series but i'm not looking no okay there's one way we could find out the distance and that's if we keep track of how many pizza stickers cc gets over time (laughs) and just imagine she gets one pizza a meal three meals a day i imagine she's only eating a pizza per day i don't know man i don't know man like just just because she's a noodle doesn't mean she can't put down a pizza yeah, but Nunnally didn't seem to be thinking, you're ordering these every day. It's, wow, pizza again? I smell it. <laughs> so she can't be going that hard. Okay, so then we assume, like, I remember seeing, like, what, like, nine or ten on the sheet, so or something like that. I I'm sure you can look up the exact the number. So I would assume it's at least ten days since she moved into the house. Uh... She is at number eight on the cheese coon application mount. Got it. Got it. So assuming she didn't already go through one sheet and they started another one, <laughs> I assume that this has been within like two weeks, this whole stretch. Yeah, we're at 10 days since episode five or so. All right. <laughs> we'll just keep an eye on that. I'm loving this. Uh, this is the most fun I've had with one of these series in a while. And that's just because I can make guesses about what's coming. I don't usually get to be the blind host. This is a definite roller coaster ride. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, with that, any plugs y'all want to do, Matt? Yeah, so Lightning Strikes Thrice. It is our JRPG Games Club podcast. Uh, we're wrapping up Final Fantasy VIII, and then after that, we're going to go into Wolfstride. Uh, that'll be a lot of fun. Um. Other than that, you can read. Oh, yeah, there's the other Boku no Stop. There's the premium version where we are covering Serial Experiments Lane. And that show is weird and entertaining. A very, very different vibe from this one. <laughs> um, other than that, you can read my Yuri Manga reviews on Okazu. Go check that out. There's a link in the uh, description of the episode, I'm sure. And uh, also, I have a blog. Uh, oh. OMG bandmates.wordpress.com. That's oh my god, they were bandmates. It is my deep dive into the shoujo manga series. Uh, how do we relationship? Volume one is out. I'm working on the volume two post, so look out for that. Mm-hmm. Chris. Nope, carry on. All right. If you want to give us some money, pitchdrop.cash. It's wonderful. There are bonus episodes of the majority of the shows on the network. And a bonus version of LST that is about Final Fantasy XIV, the hit show. 
You can find my works, as always, at hellscaper.com. We'll be back in two weeks with episodes 9, 10, whatever hosts show up, and whatever chaos comes from the formation of the Black Knights. See ya. Peace.